0: Hello and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. Today is Thursday, December 20th, otherwise known as Go Caroling Day. So if that's all we're going to do for this episode, we're just going to sing carols in three-part harmony. Are you guys ready? Uh,
1: One,
0: two, three, four. We... <laughs> Alright, is there
1: anything more awkward when... <laughs> it is awkward So you get a knock on your door, assuming you live in like a nice... Somewhere that has a door. ...suburb, uh, and there's just a bunch of... Glee club losers just standing there in their holiday sweaters how just singing to you. Dare you? And you just want <laughs> like to slam the door caroler. and move along. But like they seem like really nice people. But frankly, they're just like people that just want an audience and are moving door to door to demand that kind of attention. I don't know. Like, call me the Grinch, but I think those people
2: kind of suck. Yeah, but how do you feel about the bonnets? Uh <laughs> I will say that
0: I'm, I'm, yeah, I get like very cringy in those situations, but I'm overly sensitive to that. Like, I get embarrassed when Happy Birthday gets sung in a restaurant. I'm like, oh boy,
2: here we yeah, go. I don't, I, I really couldn't summon up the gall to do that, though. So I guess if anything, big ups for having the the Stones. audacity to go for it, because I don't think I could ever bring myself to doing it, even if I was in a group.
1: Yeah, one one of my good friends. Let's do it this year, guys. Yeah, one one of my good friends would always do the Happy Birthday whenever we were out to dinner. He would always be like, take the the waiter aside and be like, you know, it's actually his birthday, and you know he doesn't like to make a big fuss, but it's a really important day. (laughs) Just wondering if you could like, you know, just just give him the works, and then of course (laughs) it'd be a big to do and be embarrassing and
2: the worst. Well, what do you guys got? So no caroling, no nice. Well, what do you guys got going on this week? What videos have you guys Mm. released? Mm. That's the real question. Who
0: wants to kick it off?
1: I will be dropping a deuce. Oh uh, boy releasing two videos uh the mailbox and the i still haven't figured out exactly what to call the kind of deadlift bar wheelless wheelbarrow thing that i'm making
2: right there um, the non-wheelbarrow <laughs>
1: so the best suggestion i've had so far is the exercise you do where you walk sort of carrying something with your arms straight down like that is called a farmer's walk mm-hmm. so someone suggested calling it the rock farmer Uh, it's one where I'm not expecting great SEO because it's sort of a weird contraption thing, but I think there'll be some interest in the sort of lifting community. And it's, I don't know, it's one of those ones where I have low expectations from a YouTube performance, but I really like using it. Uh, Mike got to test it out today.
2: It's surprisingly useful. I mean, it probably three times your productivity. If you're carrying, we were carrying rocks, but it's probably about three times as fast as loading it up, loading them up by hand and, and running back and forth right Mm -hmm. walking
1: and i've tried using those plywood kind of extender handle things have you guys ever tried those no Mm -hmm. what is that there's there's a few different kinds one of them where it almost is it's like a a handle and then it extends with a piece of metal about 10 inches and then it has a little slot that can grip the bottom of a sheet of plywood because you know yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you can kind of carry it under your arm Mm -hmm. it makes it really easy that being said i've had one, but I would never use it because I the time to look for it and find it and get it. I would just and like remember manhandle how it works. the plywood. But if yeah. you're moving a lot of rocks, <laughs> that's so brutal that you'll take the time to go and get the rock
2: farmer. Totally, the rock farmer. That's it. There we go. It has a name. Yes,
1: but uh, so yeah, mailbox. The mailbox. I'm like, it looks clean. It's nice, but I don't know why. I'm just not that excited about mailboxes. But We did get to make a giant hammer to destroy the old mailbox.
2: That thing was, it was the DIY Thor hammer, basically. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And uh, it's like such a Maker Ranch moment where I like knock on Jesse's door. Hey, what's like the biggest thing that we could hit a mailbox with that would destroy it but still look cool on camera? It's like a very Mm -hmm. typical question that gets thrown around in this household. Um, And
2: that's followed by, well, we do have some eight by eight cedar posts (laughs) in the backyard. So let's cut some of those up. Yeah. So
1: right now I'm finishing that edit. I should have it done. But the thing I'm debating is, I don't know. It's like, isn't like destroying a mailbox, like some sort of federal crime?
0: Mm. As long as there's no mail in it, I think you're okay.
1: Right. And I would assume that's only if it's an active mailbox. Because the minute we put up the new mailbox, the old mailbox is obsolete. So you can destroy it at will. Is what I'm assuming. That
2: thing right. was also held up with duct tape, so I think the wind could have destroyed it. So I don't think, <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to be able to call you out on much.
1: Well, it's there's the comment section, so I'm sure, I'm sure it'll happen.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, as as long as you put the Thor hammer in there, I hope that's like your opening scene. Is you more of like a, like an
1: ending one. kind of like after the, the credits, little bonus teaser. That's the money Stay shot. Stay tuned, bell huh? yeah. oh boy. All right, what do you what do you got, Chris? What are you working on? Um,
0: let's see. So last week I dropped a do. So I had already talked about the workbench, but then the second thing that I put out on Saturday was the scrap wood coffee table. Coffee table. Yeah, uh,
1: that was a fun project. It was. I saw your very clever thumbnail title.
0: Oh yes. Where you piece bolded the scrap. word crap?
1: Crap.
0: Yes. Bolded that crap. No, but I was actually happy with the way that it came out, and I think it was kind of like Ben you with your mailbox and your low expectations or I guess that was the rock farmer I think having low expectations going into the build and then the video actually made me like them more as I went along it kind of made it grow on me um, as I was building it so yeah it was fun Um, you know I won't turn it into a common occurrence I don't think but maybe every time I build up some reserves I'll do another scrap wood project
2: so I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet I'm just being honest. How dare you? Right. No. So you used oak. Oh, you've seen oak. the pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it looked like yeah. you used oak, walnut, and maple?
0: Yep. Yeah, mostly walnut. And it's funny, I was even saying... I think somebody commented on that. And then in the comments, I replied back that it's kind of an infographic of my wood usage because it's like mostly walnut and then like a little bit of maple, a little bit of oak sprinkled in. Yeah. Chris
2: has the most basic like scrap wood bin in the world.
0: (laughs) It's a very curated scrap
2: bin. Right.
0: Yeah. And I had planned initially, it was like, oh yeah, I'll make like the base out of a bunch of different kinds of woods and everything. And I'm like, I have like 90% walnut. So I guess this thing's (laughs) going to be mostly walnut.
2: Cool. Well, it looks good. It's a clean build. Was it? Was there anything particularly interesting about the building process or was it mostly all highlighting, you know, just using scrap wood and how to make panels and that kind of thing? Yeah,
0: it was mostly highlighting the way that the top goes together. Then the base is just very basic. Uh, Ooh. A-O, for Just because I wanted the top to be the highlight of it. I ran into some issues. It's all in the video. So actually that was the part of the video that people seem to be liking the best is just going over like the whole... Initial way that I tried to build it that failed, and then I ended up kind of like hitting the reset button and doing it the second way. People really liked seeing the uh, failure aspect, I guess the learning process.
2: It humanizes you, Chris. Exactly. The woodworking god is no god after all.
0: I make mistakes on every single project, guaranteed.
2: I just cover them up in the videos. Awesome. (laughs) Well, this week I have been experimenting with quite a few different things. First off the bat is the cricket machine, Chris, Mm. that you had used. I don't know, maybe two or three weeks ago. We're cricket brothers. They were happy, or they were nice enough to send me one to kind of test out. And I was once again, maybe this is the title of the episode: so "is like low expectations." L- oh, okay. Because I had low expectations and was pleasantly surprised that this sucker is so easy to use right out of the box. Me and Ben, yeah. me and Ben, unboxed it uh, on film for a separate video, and it is really just plug and play. It probably took us fifteen minutes from opening the box and getting it out to doing our first cut of vinyl. We actually did vinyl letters for the mailbox that Ben was talking about earlier. That was the very first cut, and it Mm. came out really fast. That's what's really awesome about it. So for anyone that's not familiar, and this is not sponsored, this is not an advertisement, they're not paying me anything. Hopefully they pay me something at some point, but right now they just sent me the thing, and I'm talking about it. But it's basically a CNC machine but it doesn't have a router. Instead, you can put a knife point in it or an X-Acto blade point in it or just a really nice fine tip Sharpie style pin and it can draw, it can cut, it can emboss, it can do all sorts of things. It's it's really cool. So Mm -hmm. most of what I've been doing is just getting some nice cardstock and drawing a lot of different things on it. Uh, We've cut some vinyl, but I haven't gotten a chance to experiment with either leather or wood. So when it comes to those two materials, you can use up to three sixteenths inch. No, no, no. I'm sorry. You can do three thirty seconds inch balsa wood or mm-hmm. one sixteenth of an inch thick bass wood. Now, bass wood is pretty common for instruments and things. A lot of stuff gets built out of that, The the cheaper instruments, and it's considerably harder than balsa. I think balsa wood is the softest wood you can get. So... I'm going to pick up a couple of sheets of plywood of that so I can mess around with it. Uh, And when it comes to leather, you can do all the way up to like six ounce tooling leather, which I don't know how thick that is in in millimeters. Maybe I'll Google it while you guys are talking later. But I'm really excited about it. It should be a lot of fun. I think I'm going to build a wallet. Uh, I'm going to try and do a light fixture out of some wood and send it to them and hope that they sponsor a video because that would be great.
1: Yeah, basswood is something we uh, used all the time in architecture school because it's what we made the majority of our architecture models out of. And in the words of uh, Bob from I Like to Make Stuff, it is both dense and lightweight.
2: Oh, it is dense.
1: Yeah, it. it it's funny. So people were giving Bob a hard time because he described it as dense and lightweight, and they're like, how can something be that's, dense and lightweight?
2: Yeah, that's very contradictory.
1: Uh, Not at all, because like a sponge – You could have two sponges. One has a very tight porous uh, uh, matrix, which would make it dense, but it's still a sponge. So it's still lightweight. Or if you look at like the foam that they use for CNCing, like the really expensive stuff, it's incredibly dense, but it's overall, it's lightweight compared to other materials.
2: So it's all relative, but yes, I understand what you're saying.
1: Basswoods is a fun wood to work with because it's, it's so consistent. It's, (laughs) <laughs> it's like it's MDF really light with grain.
2: Yeah.
0: where do you go it's, to it's get really light and it. the
2: grain is really low contrast
1: craft stores architectural supply stores Blix okay. has it okay um, cool. it's used a lot for like carving like teaching carving and sculpture classes mm-hmm. model making all that kind of stuff
0: but though so if you go to an art supply store they'll sell like thin sheets that would just go straight into the cricket
1: yeah it's like i would think of it as like the kind of meatloaf of woods <laughs>
0: It's
2: been said a thousand it's times. Just, I think this is, is going to really, be a real stretch of a food analogy. but It's Here really
1: consistent, but never
0: amazing. Hey, you know, got I it. think meatloaf is always better than expected to kind of go with the theme of this episode. Well, so that, I think it's but, got a gross name, but it tastes pretty dang good. I love meatloaf. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Shout out to meatloaf. Have You ever, You know what's really <laughs> great about meatloaf? Leftover meatloaf, and then you like refry it, and you get a sear on the slice. Ooh,
2: baby. Now, if you've got that. meatloaf and mashed potatoes, when you mm-hmm. reheat, it must become one shepherd's pie. It must be combined.
1: <laughs> well, the problem is the word loaf. Like, lo- yeah, it's <laughs> a <loaf>. gross word. <laughs> loaf is just not an appetizing word.
2: Yeah, yeah, you could put anything good and then put le- loaf at the end of it, and it's probably not that great. Like, uh, candy loaf. Mm, you don't like that? Sounds that
0: sounds good. a candy loaf. No, mm. you don't. No way. <laughs>
2: All right, so guys, while you were talking about meatloaf, I was searching tooling leather. And what I figured out is the cricket can do six to seven ounce leather, mm-hmm. which translates to, to about two and a half millimeters. Yeah, and for all of our imperial listeners out there, yeah. because I have no idea how thick two and a half millimeters is, it's about three thirty seconds, uh, just under one eighth of an inch. Okay, So that's so, pretty considerable stuff. I what would say, you, that's yeah, if you yeah. We were taking a guess, what do you think the leather weight you were using was Chris because you made some was leather pulls for a drawer
0: yeah it was those hides that Ben had sent us like yeah. mm, I, I don't remember I don't know what they were but they were considered they were very I would They're say upholstery they were leather the, yeah they're on the thin side for sure um, okay and, so that yeah, was
2: probably about four ounce leather that you use Chris based and, off of a chart that I'm looking at now sounds right so it can do a little bit thicker than what you did which is awesome because I want to try it for a wallet so I think having a yeah. little bit thicker Ooh, material would, would be helpful <laughs> Ass full? Well, no. Those are just pants. <laughs> yeah. That's what makes them chaps.
0: Then yeah. why do they have to designate ass? Well, they're pants.
1: Come on. I'm not that fancy. Just right. chaps.
0: It's implied. Okay, fine. <laughs>
2: awesome. So other things I'm experimenting with. Here's a cool one. And I want to know if you guys have ever used it before because I have not opened the box. It was delivered three hours before we recorded this. And this is a product called Sugru. Sugru? S-U- yes. Yeah. S-U-G-R-U. S-U-G-R-U. So, they call it moldable glue. Yeah, what you were just saying, Ben. Hold on. So, it it comes in little packets Mm. and it basically looks like Play Doh. And from the videos I watched, it acts like Play Doh too, but it is supposed to dry to an epoxy hard finish that also basically sticks and bonds to basically anything. That's
0: cool it's
2: so,
1: like yeah. it's like air it, you ever heard of like that phyllo clay or whatever it's like the the clay that you bake it you can like uh you can like or like FEMA clay or something it's like no, these I little packs so. of colored clay they, people make beads and stuff out of them mm. and then you bake it and do it it's like a non it's like an air curing version of that so you know what like i could you,
2: do right now a little asmr unboxing experience oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no please. please all right guys here we go let's do that Mike. So I want to describe what we have for our audio listeners, and this is a 10-inch inch by 6-inch inch huh? box that is a half of an inch thick. You hear that cardboard? Oh, yeah. Whoa. Yep, I just pulled the tab on it. And now I'm... <laughs> All right, injustice. I have to stop no. this. So <laughs> so what, what are you doing
1: with this shit?
0: <laughs> yeah, what, what would the most typical use that somebody would... The most glue, what's it called? People have
1: used it to repair wires or to make like, uh, if you want to make a wire caddy that sticks to your computer that holds like a USB wire, you can just mold it like Play-Doh and then uh, uh, it'll air harden into like a rubber or plastic texture. Gotcha. Right,
2: and it also shows uh, a shoe that is separated from its sole, and they use that to, like, seal it and glue it together. So or, people
0: like it for, like, repair-type stuff. Right, yeah, or if, was, or if your one pot loses a handle.
2: It was,
1: it was hyped up a lot, but people, like, it got a lot of, like, press and push. Oh, moldable glue, like a million applications. But then people didn't figure out of one good one that really justified its price. So it's a cool material, but just still – is one of those things that I feel like just hasn't quite found its home yet.
2: Well, that's because I haven't gotten my hands on Uh-oh. it yet. Watch and out. speaking of, I've got a yellow packet right now. Nice. You back to the ASMR. So it's in a foil packet here, and I'm just <gasps> gonna gently open it so we can see what's on the inside. I'm gonna guess glue. All right, a putty type glue. So less than the sound. I wanna, I wanna do a real unboxing here. I wanna describe what it's like because I opened up a yellow packet, and I'm gonna have to imagine most of them are. Pretty similar, yeah. Oh, it feels the actual like glue
0: is yeah. Okay, I see. So if you were repairing something yellow with it, I was gonna say it'll be interesting to see how how sturdy does it get. Like what what could it reinforce?
2: Right. So one packet, and there's about ten packets in a box, is about the size of three hubba bubbas. Yeah, as I say, and up it really feels like that's what I'm doing. It really does feel like I'm I've got double bubble. And I'm just squeezing it between my fingers. So what I need to do is I need to make either a shape or I need to attach a couple of things together and see how it works. What should I do, Chris?
0: Get some wood. Just like put two pieces of wood together because that's probably the- I've got an idea. Too late.
2: (laughs) I'm making a pin holder or a pin cushion, like a pin grip. Okay. So here I've got a nice Muji pin. Muji pins are the best in the game. M-U-J-I, check them out. Do what?
0: The grip is not good on him, so you're going to The grip this. is not great,
2: but that is soon to change, my friend.
0: Thanks to this Sugru Moji pen.
2: All right, so I've wrapped it around the 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 pen itself, and now I'm going to squeeze it how I would normally squeeze it oh, I so see. I have you're finger putting indents. Scott,
0: yeah, you'll know right where right to grab it.
2: Yep. All right, so I've done it, and I'm setting it to the side. We'll check back at the end of the podcast, see if it's dried. Who knew this show could have a hands-on... Per- I uh, wish I could fast forward right now. I know it could have a hands-on segment. This this might un unbox a whole new the game, uh, yeah yeah yeah. All right, Watch well, out for
0: 2019.
2: All right, so enough of the grew because they didn't pay us for that either. We got to get some sponsors yeah, on board because we're Subaru pretty good and at cricket this. cricketer getting a lot of free <laughs> advertisement
0: here. You know what? You reminded me of something that I wanted to experiment with but never did. Okay. At a uh, Home Depot, I've occasionally seen. It's, I think it's like a fiberglass repair kit that they sell it as. So it's like mm. just like a small amount of like a fiberglass fiberglass wrap and then probably some kind of liquid that you would put in it to cure it. And I thought, oh, that might be cool to just kind of play with like using that for joints. If you just like put two pieces together in a weird way and then used it to like intricately wrap it. I don't right, know because then if be you
2: though. do some kind of cuz then if you do some kind of top coat that's also very shiny, the same way fiberglass epoxy is, then it would all blend together. It might be an invisible joint. You never know. You never know. Yeah, you should try that. I'd be excited to see what you come up with.
0: You do the Sugru, I'll do the fiberglass.
2: Perfect. All right, guys. So what's our topic this week? Should it be low expectations?
0: <laughs> it seems like that's naturally become the
2: topic. <laughs> yeah, it should be. Okay, so low expectations. Where does that begin?
1: It's good to be in general. Here I'll set the I'll set the premise. In general, it's good to be optimistic, excited about what you're working on. But if you there's a tendency I see sometimes where people will like hype themselves up about something to try to get to to try to build motivation to finish the project.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: With and and I, I definitely do that sometimes. But sometimes like it's just there's like a, a nice satisfaction in saying, you know what? This isn't gonna be a ribeye or a filet mignon night. It's just meatloaf. gonna be meatloaf. Oh, like that. Sorry, <laughs> but meatloaf is great check. and it's fine. <laughs> and it's not gonna disappointment comes not when something's terrible. It comes when something's just slightly not as good as you were hoping. Low expectations can be a huge advantage, uh, in a lot of ways when you're kind of uh so I always figure this way. I'm always okay not being that excited about the outcome of a project if I learned at least one thing during it.
2: Even if it's a what-to-do or a what-not-to-do?
1: Yes. right. Because
2: the what-not-to-dos are usually the ones that derail a project, right?
1: Right. So it's like it could be a placeholder. It could just be something to, to get a video out there. And not a masterpiece, not something special. But when you look back at the majority of what we do, most of our stuff with isn't special. Like it, it can't be. You can't have a high volume of specialness. I mean, <laughs> even if you do, you just end up raising the bar for yourself and things escalate and get harder and harder and harder. And, you know, every every new one has to escalate into something even greater. And so I think like just sometimes just making something that's just good. Not great, just good. That's going to happen a lot. So like having the, it's not low expectations, but just, you know, being content with those kind of things, uh, I think is like a pretty important lesson for longevity in the making game.
2: Well, what that makes me think of is my first, I don't know, maybe first 10 projects where the outcome was never as good as I wanted it to be, but I made it a point to always build something useful. And so even though it didn't look quite as good as I wanted, it always fulfilled its purpose. And I think that's a good way of combating either having high expectations and not meeting them or being pleasantly surprised by what you made.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, It's actually kind of something that I'm going through right now with a lot of the builds that I've been doing just because I've been in need of organization you know moving into the new shop and everything so I yeah like a lot of times I think what ends up happening is if I wasn't making videos I would do them like strictly just here's the utility that I need but because it is for a video I'm like well I need to do something that like gives me a reason that I'm making this video in the first place so actually like that's what I've been working on this week is this that big storage unit that'll go in the back of the shop kind of be the backdrop to the shop and like as i've been building it it's it's taken a long time like anytime i work on a big project even i, I feel like i'm slow with like simple big projects where like you guys would probably get it done in two days or something and it ends up taking it, right. like, five or six days uh i i don't know what's
2: that Just talking shit <laughs> oh thank you just just mumbling insults so you can't quite hear him yeah. <laughs>
0: No, but yeah, so they always always take me a while and um, I kind of feel like, oh man, like nobody would build this exact thing, which makes me have low expectations for how it's going to go. But then I just try to remind myself that, well, while they might not build this exact thing, maybe it's just got like, you know, two or three things that they can be like, oh, that's kind of a cool idea that I could implement in my life this way.
1: Well, it's like, look, none of us are living in caves where the making is absolutely essential for the direct usage, right? Like we all have houses that are, have an abundance of furniture, but we like making it because we get, you know, one, we get paid to do it and it's part of our livelihoods, but two, we've sort of chosen and directed it in this direction because we enjoy it.
0: That kind of brings up another question. What percentage of the things that you guys end up building on your channel would you say you build just out of interest or out of a need
1: i would say i wouldn't say need need would probably be like 30% of the projects i needed uh but i would say having had direct experience with some of those things uh is like what often inspires my projects right so a lot of my ideas for furniture things comes from designing houses And my background in that, because I'll be like, ah, this people do rooms of this size because furniture is this size. And you need in the bedroom to have room for these things or in the living room room for these things. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the, the zigzag sofa that came because when you talk to interior designers, they always are trying to figure out when you have a living room that's situated this way, you need something to hide the back of the sofa. So you use like a 12 or 18 inch console. And then it's from me saying like, well, when I do have a bunch of people over to watch like a, a movie or a sporting event, people send up sort of sitting behind the people that are sitting at the sofa just a little bit higher. So that's what came up with the idea it was sort of, so it wasn't a personal need, but it was sort of a, a need in the market or a, a missing link that I sort of saw the, the opportunity to create.
2: Right. Yes. For me, it's definitely a lot higher on on the need, personal need at least. And that was what was great about moving out here to Joshua Tree was I immediately needed, you know, a bed, a desk, the stool I made, the dining table. A lot of these things were just furniture for living. So that was really great because back home I had kind of already done a version of all of those projects. And so sometimes I always sometimes I have this feeling where it's almost guilty for double dipping into the same product pool or Mm -hmm. project pool. Yeah. And this was that kind of excuse that let me just be free and even though it may not be a revolutionary design or it may not fulfill this specific need in the market like what you're describing with the zigzag stool, I could build a simple bed that's going to help people that need a simple bed, but it's not right. going change, to change the game of beds, right? right but it's right. going to fulfill my, my need and help you know just casual DIYers. I,
1: I never worry about need. I worry about want, right? <laughs> I don't... Cause, I don't need anything like i don't even need a bed i can put a mattress on the floor i'm just fine right now what i would worry about if (laughs) and i give away a lot of the stuff that i make i would worry if no one wanted it (laughs) to me that would be the where the alarm bells ring like i you know in terms of physical possessions that go in a household that are not related to tools and making stuff i am pretty minimalistic i don't want a lot of stuff so I don't really need any of this, but I love making it. And great podcast. I would get a little bit disappointed if I had a hard time giving away something. I'd be like, "Wow, <laughs> <laughs> this really sucks."
2: <laughs> yeah, I've got to pay people to take away my projects. Yeah, yeah.
0: I've uh, I got something else to say, but Mike, why don't we get a quick check in on that uh, Sugru?
2: Sugru update. Here we go. Where, Boop. At? Where are we at? <laughs> We're probably at about fifty percent hardness right now, it's so this, we're gonna have to. This is definitely gonna be how we close the episode. This so it's sort week. of
1: a sugru chub.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's in a leather yeah. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: Back to the uh, the topic of things that we need. Something that I've kind of this is not an obsession, but that I've become very interested in. We'll call it lately is so. Like you guys listening to me right now, you probably notice I'm in an echoey room, and that's because when I record my audio, I go into the closet to do it, but I don't want to record the podcast like that. (laughs) And, and there's some other things that I want to do where it would be some content where I'd be just kind of in front of a camera in my house type content, not working in the garage. And so I'm like, man, I really need a space to like record that type of stuff. Yeah. So I've been, so my first, my initial thought was, well, I can just build some kind of like trifold screen or whatever that has sound deadening on it that I could just set up behind me for whenever I need to do something like this or, or record something. And that could be so that when you fold it up, it would be decorative in some way and could just like store in a corner and just like look like a piece of art or something. And or, then I went down the rabbit hole. Oh, well, let's see if we go to the same place. I found okay. like all these like little kind of like pods that you could it's like a little room within your room. I was like, oh, oh man, I could build one of those. And then, so then I was telling Dolores, I was like, oh, what, what would be a good place to put it? And she's like, how about in the garage? I'm like, I don't want to be yeah, in the garage. you don't use that like thing anymore. It's 110 degrees in the summer. I'm going to be like in a little <laughs> sauna trying to record the podcast. Where were you yeah. going to go with that?
2: Oh, I was just going to say, you could be like Ben and I and just go to Walmart and get a bunch of mattress toppers and staple them to the wall.
0: Perfect. She'll be thrilled. <laughs>
2: no, no, but I think uh, what get, would be a legitimate cool project i think are some fancy woodworking based sound panels so mm-hmm. if you got some acoustic foam or some owen corning like i think it's 703 is the insulation that's really good for sound absorption and then built like a nice wooden frame with some kind of pattern over it or something to where it yeah. didn't necessarily look like a like you just stuck foam on the wall i think that right. could be pretty fun industrial I think you would do really well at that because you do great at patterns And your woodworking game is on point, you know, felt cricket on it. Look into like the
1: industrial felt like the stuff I used for that gray stuff I used for the the lounge chair.
0: Yeah. Well, the cool thing about the felt is it looks really cool, too. Yeah, like it's it's, it's a neat looking material. And so that was the other purpose was if I'm going to also be doing video things where I want a backdrop so you don't see. I know people listening can't see what's behind me, but it's basically a messy family room where kids play on the ground. That's mm-hmm. what's the background of of my office <laughs> setup right now. So it would be nice to have some kind of partition that was just like a cool looking background. So felt yeah. would
1: be good. The other thing would be you ever seen like a big Rothko painting where it's like it has it's a big canvas stretched over wood mm-hmm. that's painted and like painters canvases are fantastic for that because they don't have a frame. Um you can make them any size and canvas is stretched tight isn't super sound absorbing but you could put something sort of behind it um and it's lightweight movable so you could make something that looks like a bunch of painters canvases uh for some sort of lightweight room divider too
2: hey chris have you ever heard of so a lot of music studios and things will have them they're called gobos that's kind of the shorthand for them but they're Mm -hmm. portable walls that have sound deadening material in them Mm -hmm. oftentimes they're kind of the size of what a big kind of guitar speaker cabinet would be. It's not quite as deep as that, but it's just full of, you know, insulation or foam or something like that, so that if you're looking to isolate a specific instrument within a live room, Uh uh, you can kind of, you know, make a little cave for an amp to be in or something like that. But maybe searching through that could give you some cool inspiration. Those are usually a little boxy and a little heavy, but Uh I think your natural tendency would make it a little bit lighter and airy, so... It could be a good, at least jumping off point, maybe.
0: Nice. Yeah, I'll look into that for sure.
2: So we've been all talking about what we're experimenting with. Ben, what's been in the back of your head or what's the new material or the new tool? What's what's new in your world?
1: What's new in my world has been breaking big rocks into little rocks. I've been basically (laughs) living the life of like a cartoon character in a prison cartoon. Right. Uh, (laughs) So (laughs) we're working on the glass Uh, the glass deck on the mountain and on the small stone castle and that involves excavation through rock and it is it's both easier and more exhausting than I expected the rock breaks easier than I thought and what we've sort of uh, learned because my brother Nate's up there helping me is we we get up early, we go out to the site, we, we dig through rock for about two or three hours. And that's sort of our morning exercise. And after that, we start to slow down anyway, so you might as well switch to something
2: else. Something a little less intense.
1: And what's interesting is that the rock here is like this, it's kind of like granite, but it does crack. But the key to dig through it isn't to hit it really hard. and We're using picks to 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 break it up and then we shovel it out. Or if you swing at it really hard, all that energy just bounces right back at you, and it like hurts your hands, and it doesn't do a dent. So what you do is you just kind of do like a whole bunch of like medium swings, like a bunch of jabs, where you're just tap tap tap, and then all of a sudden you'll see it start to crack, and then you hit it hard right along the cracks. Yeah. Um, so we're getting good at digging through rock and dirt, um, <laughs> but. In sort of working on these projects and sort of shooting, I got the drone out to shoot some before footage before we carve into the side of the mountain to make this part of the stone castle is going to have a little bit of a cave in it. So we did some drone footage straight overhead and I saw something on my mountain that I had never seen before. There's this white line that runs through it. So there's this like one rock outcropping that's just barely visible. But you can only notice it from an aerial view. Most of the rocks are all red. And then there's this one white line about a foot wide that kind of goes through the whole mountain. So there's this other kind of rock that pushed up through and probably created the mountain itself. And then once we noticed that, we saw most of the rocks on the surface of the mountain are really sharp and jagged. Meanwhile, most of the big boulders in Joshua Tree Park or in the surrounding areas are these big curved ones. So I was like, huh, it's too bad we don't have any of those big curved boulders that are fun to sort of climb on. Well, in following that white line that we saw, that sort of geological formation that we saw from the aerial view, we noticed that there was one of those rounded boulders just peeking out of the dirt. So it's almost like uh you know, we discovered this like giant buddha statue like buried under the soil. So now we're thinking, oh wait, now we have another excavation project where the land is way more valuable if it has these big boulders on it because they're sort of the signature of this area. And we're like, "Oh, wow. We might just have to power wash away this whole dirt mountain just to get these yeah. big ass boulders out from underneath them."
2: Dude, I wouldn't blame you if you did it because it's hilarious how when when there's a house for sale and it's got big boulders or something in the front yard, it's automatically way more expensive out here. People mm. really people really have a boulder thing going on. All but all speaking boulders. of people being obsessed with boulders, what are you guys obsessed with in the world of making, Chris? Mm. Any new tools?
0: Uh, this is not a tool. <laughs> the thing that I chose is: Have you guys watched Cobra Kai? The no. like, Karate Kid show. <laughs> You're
2: not going to connect with me on that one, sorry, <laughs> buddy. I, watched I feel like Ben's it all. Gonna, Ben. You've got things to say about this. You were a Karate Kid.
0: <laughs> it was a real. I was karate more kid.
1: like the Cobra Kai guys. Like, <laughs> well, then you're like, gonna love ah. this,
0: right? Yeah, I, was, I would say Johnny's the main character of this one. It's funny. It's like it's enjoyable. I'm not gonna call it good, but I'm gonna call I'm gonna say that I did enjoy watching it. I I
1: heard. Nice. Speaking of low expectations, I heard that it was something that people felt exceeded expectations.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it. I think it. Did a good job in like not taking itself very seriously. Like it definitely was kind of goofy and campy, but it did it in a way where it, it made it enjoyable. Like if, if they had taken themselves seriously, you'd have been like, "This sucks." But yeah, yeah it was definitely fun to watch. And it, you know, if you are around my age or Ben's age, and you grew up with loving the Karate Kid, loving and, yourself, and, so and that movie's actually
1: even a little bit before our time.
0: Yeah, I mean, we were. Yeah, it probably would have been. The ideal audience would be somebody that was older, but like I think I still watched it, yeah, probably when it was pretty new. I was a little kid, but
1: the good thing is, it didn't have any like stereotypes about Asian people. That's the most important thing.
0: Cobra Kai or Karate Kid, Karate Kid, (laughs) not at all.
1: Some of those movies don't age that well, um, but yeah, so like I have a weird relationship with so I loved martial arts movies in general, uh, growing up. Not so much Karate Kid, because I never liked the protagonist as being, like, why does the protagonist always have to, like, the main character always have to be, like, the weakling that gets his ass kicked? Why can't the main guy also be a badass? So that's why I always like, like, more Steven Seagal, Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, you know? It's like, I don't want to see the underdog kick ass. I want to see the guy that's really good at kicking ass kick even more ass, but... Growing up on those movies and seeing those things, there's always this sort of like mythology about martial arts. And then when I got really into martial arts, I was just like, oh, wait, yeah, there's supposed to be all this kind of spiritualness and discipline, but you're learning it at a strip mall. And I don't really think you can have like a higher uh, learning experience, <laughs> you know, In 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 a suburban strip mall. It's just not where you 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 go. The same way it's be like, oh, I'm really into art and I want to study masters, and now I'm going to go to like one of those places where you drink wine and paint like garden gnomes.
2: Um, (laughs) I used to work at one of those. That was my first job. That was my (laughs) only real job that I've ever had. This is only W two. Also, exactly.
1: (laughs) uh, When I got into like karate competitively and started going to tournaments and seeing all the sort of middle aged guys with ponytails. Like it was, like this is
0: me. This is what I got to do.
1: It was I like, so I really enjoy Joe Rogan's Instagram posts where if you look at the hashtag legit as fuck, um, he'll, I didn't post, believe that one. Yeah. He'll post like, there's a lot of kind of BS in martial arts, mm. uh, especially in the old school version. Like before there was the UFC and all those things, people would be like, Oh, this guy is a karate master. So we can fight like 10 people. And it would act as if like fighting wasn't bound by like human physicality and strength and athleticism (laughs) and speed. But like somehow Mr. Miyagi at like four foot nothing could like beat up all these guys because of discipline and mysticism and stoicism. No, it's still bound by sort of the same physical things that make you good at basketball or baseball or anything like that. It's much more of a skill than this art form that uh, uh, people said the art form parts all about sort of, hey, just be a good person. Uh, here's some like, you know, mental hacks for like living a disciplined life. But you could apply those things to anything. They're not specific to fighting. When, when I watched A Karate Kid, I was always like, this doesn't make sense. This guy, the Cobra Kai kids, had been working really hard for a long time. They were really experienced. Blonde asshole Johnny had like put in the work and then this newcomer comes in and suddenly learns a trick kick and like beats him. That's total BS. Like, he hasn't worked as hard. He's been doing it for like three months. Like, no, the other guy should have won. So when I saw they're making the Cobra Kai, I'm like, finally, they're taking the the story from the right viewpoint.
0: Mike, you were probably a three ninjas kind of guy. <laughs> I don't even need <laughs> Ninja
2: Turtles. Oh, okay. No, yeah, it's not the going. Ninja Turtles. <laughs> it's oh, a different. Well, a I was about to say, like... cause there's more, more than that many Ninja Turtles. Yeah. I am yeah. a Ninja Turtle man. We all are. Great. So let me go ahead and explain my obsession this week, and it is a shout out to a podcast listener, a content creator, and an all around great guy. Mm. So I'm talking about at Gregory. Now, forgive the, my oh last boy. name pronunciation. I know who you're going for. Yes. R- um, okay, I'm just going to go for it. Do it. Ruski. Uh, I was going to say like Ruski, maybe? Yeah. R- 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 yeah, R- yeah. But he actually came to our Making It 100 event where we got to mm-hmm. meet and chat. We actually went to In and Out together did, yeah. after the event and hung out. Great guy, and I don't know how it was that I ended up, you know, chatting for as long as we did about projects and everything. But I didn't follow him on Instagram that night, and kind of once that happened, I, 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 you know, our paths really didn't cross again until he used some Maker Brand finish on one of his projects, and because we're all looking at, you know, everyone that's tagging us in the Maker Brand Co stuff. I saw a standing mirror that he was making, mm-hmm. yes, and it's absolutely awesome. beautiful. It's yeah. just stupid nice. And so, yeah, we we at the event we talked about his woodworking, what he's making. He described a lot about what he did, but I I had never seen it. And now that I have, I've got to shout him out. So I'm gonna I'm gonna spell his Instagram handle so everyone can type it in. Unless you're driving, don't do that. We'll and link it to. Is. Yeah, we'll link it as well. But let me do this at Gregory. Just like you would think. G-R-E-G-O-R-Y. All right. Now, here we go. Here we go. R-A-I-E-W-S-K-I. Ryuski. The Roaring Woodwork is is kind of what he goes by in his company company name. So, go check him out. Give him a follow and send him some love because he's honestly crushing it. He's making some really, really nice pieces. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's built a lot of cool stuff lately and fellow walnut lover.
2: I was going to say that. That was literally, I was, I was, (laughs) that was going to be my next point. Yeah. He, he kills it with the walnut. Now I've got to ask Chris, this walnut that he's using and the walnut that you're using, is it black walnut or is it Clara walnut or is it some kind of broad generalization of walnut?
0: Yeah. I don't even know what the real difference is. Where I go, it just says walnut. Okay. Because back home
2: we have specifically black walnut and it's Uh about two shades darker and Ooh. it's really hard to photograph, and I I, I haven't oh, gotten as good results like it. with it. And that's why, well, that's why I really don't use it much anymore. Because I kind of <clears> experimented <throat> with it a bit, and kind of once again, it just didn't meet my expectation quite. Uh-oh. And so I kind of cut it out, and, <sighs> and went with a, a lot lighter toned woods. But you gotta get that California I see. Stuff. Yeah, now I know I hate to bring him up, but Greg Klassen... Uh, a lot of the river tables he makes are using Claro Walnut. And so that's why I was curious because I really like the, the tone of wood that he gets. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, does anyone ben, have anything else for this episode? Did Ben have an obsession yet?
1: I got one. Rustica Hardware. I I follow them on Instagram because they make uh, sliding barn door hardware that I've used before. Cool mm-hmm. company. Nice people. They made... they made. You ever see something and you're like, that was something I've been thinking about. Those... They, ah, God damn yeah. it, they
2: yeah yeah <laughs>
1: took my idea. They did something I, me and Mike have been talking about for a while, is they did a really nice update on folding leg tables. Oh, um, yeah. So yeah. they made a really clean-looking, super modern, aggressive angles and where you can get two pairs of these, uh, these legs and attach them to any sort of board, and you have a table that folds up.
2: Yeah, mm. so it's better than just going and buying a Rubbermaid table. With those with those fold out legs.
1: So shout out to them. They're they're a cool company. They have good stuff, um, and now they have really cool table legs.
2: Great, awesome. Nice. Well, here's a Sugru update. Oh, it's yeah. about ninety percent hardness. I don't want to give it a full grip, but I've got to say, check this out, boys. You can,
0: man, can that do some writing with that thing. That is custom
2: fit. But now I do have to modify it because the cap will not go back onto the pin. <sighs> so. I don't know. Check in onto the uh, Modern Maker Podcast Instagram story on Thursday, the day that this podcast airs, and we'll see what happened with this.
0: Just make a Sugru cap.
2: A Sugru cap. Well, I used all the yellow. I'm all out, and I don't want to open another package because i got to use this stuff for a video at some point. So thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe to us in the podcast app, whether that's Android, iPhone, any other platform. Follow us so that you stay updated when we put out a new episode. If you're not following us on Instagram individually, we are at 4 Eyes Furniture. That's Chris. At Benjamin Ueda. That is Ben. And at Modern Builds. That is me. Collectively, we are at Modern Maker Podcast and at Maker Brand Co. If you haven't already, we would really appreciate a five-star review on the podcast app like I mentioned before. That just lets the app know that we're a good show and that they should suggest us to listeners who have similar interests. Thank you again, and we hope to see you next week on the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. See ya.
1: Follow me on TikTok. Bye.
2: Get out of here.